When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a special Total SF recorded live at Manny's in the Mission District. It was an evening with Emperor Norton. Joseph Amster was there both as himself and as the Emperor. We had a great night. Muni director Jeffrey Tumlin makes a cameo. Arnold Woods from the Western Neighborhoods Project dropped by. We had a special visit from Countess Lola Montez. And in the last third of this episode, we hop in a time machine with the audience and pick where we'd love to visit in San Francisco's past. Western Neighborhoods Project has a wonderful SF history podcast of their own. Check it out. And the Emperor is back giving tours for out-of-towners and locals alike. Book one at EmperorNortonTour.com. Now here's our show, recorded on April 28th, 2022. I really, uh, I hate to turn off, was that Patti LaBelle? There was some Patti LaBelle in there. I, I was hoping for some Pointer Sisters. It felt like that was coming up next. Well, uh, welcome to Manny's and welcome to our evening with Emperor Norton. Um, this is also a live recording of the Total SF podcast, and I can't think of a better location. Heather, after taking in the visual feast that is Manny's, what, and Manny's going to hate this question, <laughs> what's the first thing you would grab here if there was a fire? I was going to say the cardboard cutouts of Nancy Pelosi and Kamala Harris, but they're not here today. Where did they go? Angelina stored them behind the curtains. (laughs) (laughs) But if not them, I would steal these rugs. They're so beautiful. beautiful. Everything is beautiful. I would die in the fire grabbing. I'd be in the bathroom grabbing every one of those photos. Is that a black light in there, Manny? Pink LED lights. It's fantastic. Everyone has to check out the bathrooms while you're here. Um, Yeah, come back here often. Um, I have bathroom envy. I'm going to go with the bathroom and grab all the photos in there. We have an incredible (laughs) evening that's not talking about fires at Manny's. Uh, Norton One, Emperor of the United States and Protector of Mexico is here. And we'll begin our evening with Arnold Woods from Western Neighborhoods Project filling in for Nicole Meldahl, who fell ill. Arnold came through with less than 24 hours notice. Heather, if I suddenly were to fall ill, who is the Total SF podcast understudy? I'm going with Tony Bravo. You answered that too fast. <laughs> I would never do the podcast But I would totally you. miss you a lot. Uh, it's, it's like, uh, yeah, the, the band is over if you're gone. So, Well, thank you all for coming. Thank you for com- to Manny's for hosting us. We have a very fun night ahead. You have to be the guy who says, I'm Peter Hart. Oh, I'm Peter Hartlob, and uh, here with Heather Knight, Emperor Norton, and a cardboard cutout of Nancy Pelosi behind that uh, curtain, and this is Total SF. Thank you. This is where the music plays, if you listen to the podcast. Oh, my God. 
Well, welcome, Norton One, Emperor of the U.S. and Protector of Mexico. We're grateful for whatever time warp has brought you here. First question, as people run into you in, in San Francisco, what's the proper way to greet you? Uh, that would be your Imperial Majesty, Imperial because we are an emperor, or simply emperor. But those who knew us well could call us amp. <laughs> is there a bow, a curtsy? Uh, one should bow or curtsy, depending upon what they choose. Mm-hmm. I like it. And some do still, especially in the financial district. Wow. <laughs> what are your impressions of San Francisco in 2022? Well, let's see. We are still definitely a city for the slightly off-kilter. Um, we're still a very beautiful city, which adores its history. But we do wish we could have a cleaner city and a more civil city. Mm -hmm. And as you walk around today, do people recognize you? Oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, people either, well, one of my all-time favorite reviews was somebody wrote that it's always fun to walk behind me to see people either acknowledge me or look away in horror. <laughs> Which happens more often? They acknowledge. Okay, good. As it should be. You come from a time of very limited vaccinations, no antibiotics. The life expectancy was 42.8 years. Should we be feeling a little more grateful for what we have? Oh, absolutely. Look how much lifespans have increased. Uh, we are a big fan of technology as well as the medical sciences. These, this is progress. Progress is important, and we embrace it wholeheartedly. What do you miss the most from the 1800s? Free lunches. <laughs> How'd you get free lunches? I would just walk in, eat, and leave, and they never stopped me. <laughs> well, if they did insist on payment, I could give them some of my imperial treasury bonds, of course, which were <laughs> gladly accepted. Unfortunately, they no longer are. Arnold, can you help us with some background, explain who Emperor Norton was? Yes, so he was born uh, Joshua Norton in the greater London area in 1818. Uh, however, his family moves to South Africa in 1820. I think this is all part of a attempt to populate South Africa with white people at the time. Um, his father's running a, a business where they're selling goods for ships, and his father's business goes bad, ends up being bankrupt before he dies. Before he dies, Joshua's left, and he's headed for the U.S., gets to Boston, I think, by 1846, and makes his way west eventually. We think he arrived in San Francisco in 1850, where he opens up a store, uh, and he's selling goods. And then in 1851, he attempts to corner the rice market. <laughs> there's a famine going on in China, and he figures, okay, I can go get this rice from Peru, and I'm gonna buy up, you know, a, a whole bunch of rice from there and bring it here, and I'm gonna corner the rice market here in San Francisco. And he pays, I think it was 13 and a half cents a pound for the rice. I like how he's nodding right now. <laughs> yes, you got that right. You must feel like you're at your own funeral right now. Indeed, Edward. indeed. <laughs> Unfortunately, the Peruvian rice sellers had other ideas and were also selling their rice to other people who flooded the San Francisco market with uh, Peruvian rice. The price drops down to three cents a pound and basically he loses his shirt on, uh, on the rice market. 
And so he's, you know, not living as well anymore and uh, he's getting charitable contributions. He runs for tax collector, uh, runs for uh, Congress in 1858, doesn't win either. But then we get to 1859. And what happened in 1859? That's when he declares himself as emperor. Well, he uh, published his manifesto in uh, July 1859 in a paid advertisement in the San Francisco Daily Evening Bulletin. And I'll, I'll just read this because mm -hmm. it's too good not to. And this is what he proclaimed in that. At the peremptory request and desire of a large majority of the citizens of these United States, I, Joshua Norton, formerly of Algoa Bay, Cape of Good Hope, and now for the last nine years and 10 months past of San Francisco, California, declare and proclaim myself emperor of these United States and in virtue of the authority thereby in me vested, do hereby order and direct the representatives of the different states of the union to assemble in musical hall of this city on the first day of February next, then and there to make such <laughs> alterations in the existing laws of the union as may ameliorate the evils under which the country is laboring and thereby cause confidence to exist both at home and abroad in our stability and integrity. Norton the first Emperor of the United States. Wow. Indeed. This is, this is an audio medium, but uh, the Emperor uh, basically was mouthing that entire thing I absolutely correctly. And when you tripped up, he tripped up too. We, we've recited it a few times. <laughs> He would later add protector of Mexico when Napoleon III invaded Mexico in 1863. Hmm. And Arnold, as you're looking around so much of, um, of this history, is how much is solid fact today? You know, people talk a lot about Emperor Norton, but how much is real and how much is myth? That's hard to say because uh, sometimes some newspapers would issue proclamations as being from Emperor Norton when they were not. In fact, Emperor Norton, usually he would spend most afternoons in the mechanics library reading up all the newspapers to get a feel for what needed to be done and would start issuing his proclamations, which his proclamations also get uh, published in the papers, but there was fake ones out there as well. And then after his death, there was some lore that got spread around that probably wasn't true. A little embellishment. <laughs> Basically, if you see any proclamation, if you read any proclamation that says off with their heads, we never wrote that. We would not say such a thing. And Arnold, do you have a theory about why he resonates so much? Well, at the time, you know, this is right before the Civil War. Civil War happens and, you know, it's dividing the country. And on the other hand, Emperor Norton was issuing these proclamations to make things better. And he was, a lot of the proclamations, he was uh, advocating for rights for disadvantaged peoples. Uh, he asked for a study to have a, a bridge built between uh, San Francisco and Oakland. That could never happen. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> It'll never happen. Um, one, although one of my personal favorite proclamations, although this one was never confirmed as being true, is that anybody who said Frisco in reference to San Francisco 
<laughs> was guilty of a high misdemeanor and would be fined $75. <laughs> that one, that just feels true to me, whether or not it actually is. The law is still in effect. I, I am actually a defender of Frisco. I think as long as the Hells Angels and the rap group RBL Posse are using it, we can all use it too. So that's my opinion. We, we've always wanted to walk up to one of the Hells Angels and say, you know, you owe us $25. I'm sure they would pay gladly. Um, I, I enjoy the Western Neighborhoods Project podcast. It's such a great deep dive into history. Um, you jump on it often, Arnold. Are there other figures in San Francisco history, uh, a figure that has Emperor Norton-like um, qualities but doesn't get all of the run? Yes, and this is probably just because it's fresh <laughs> in my mind right now. <laughs> we we. Just dropped a podcast last week, a part one on the photographer uh, Edward Marbridge. Mm -hmm. It's not spelled the way it looks, <laughs> or not pronounced the way it looks. Uh, he is just a fascinating character, Inf influential in so many areas uh, on photography. He's considered the godfather of cinema. Uh, he did these motion studies of animals and humans that have been an influence in biomechanics. Uh, and for athletes in terms of, you know, figuring out how to best use, you know, use their form in performances. Uh, and then on top of all that, he murdered his wife's lover. Oh, <laughs> wow. Very Shawshank Redemption. And got away with it. Oh. He, he was arrested, went to trial, and the jury acquitted him on the grounds that it was justified the last person in America who got away with it on a justifiable homicide. And, and if we may, we would like to point out the Countess Lola Montez, one of our more colorful characters. But on another note, if uh, speaking of great eccentrics from our athletes, uh, <laughs> uh, the next program of the San Francisco History Association on May 31st is about the great eccentrics of San Francisco. Oh, cool. And it's being presented by a gentleman who they say looks an awful lot like me. <laughs> what is the time and place? Uh, May 31st, uh, 7 p.m., Sherith Israel Synagogue, but it will also be available on Zoom. Cool. Very nice. The Emperor is known for being a Nostradamus-like figure, and I was wondering if you can both describe your favorite predictions of his. I suppose uh, my favorite would be the Transbay Tube. In addition to proclaiming the bridge should be built spanning San Francisco Bay, we also proposed a tube under the bay, and well, there it is, wow. lacking a name. <laughs> <laughs> Emperor Norton Tube, anybody? <laughs> I like it. And how about you? Uh, I would have to say uh, his calling for the right for women to vote a full 40 years before it actually happened. Wow. Here, here. That deserves a round of applause. Well, I, I was hoping we could summon up Joseph Amster. <laughs> Joseph, my friend, good Hi to there. see you again. Yes. Good to be here. Thank you for having me, by the There's way. There's no comfortable way to do this. No, there is switch from... <laughs> you could have been anyone walking these streets. Why did you decide to be Emperor Norton? Well... It's, it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to make it as short as I can. Uh, let's see. We were set to go to, the Countess and I were set to go to a ball a number of years ago for the uh, G GLBT History Association, and they said to come as a character from San Francisco history. 
So uh, we came as the Countess and the Emperor. In fact, it was that night that we met our uh, Emperor Norton's dear departed widow, Jose Saria, looked me up and down and said, are you imitating my husband? It was the widow Norton. I said, no, darling, I am your husband returned from the dead. And then he looked at the Countess and said, is that the other woman? Uh, so not long after that, we decided that it'd be interesting to do some tours. We wanted to do something very historically accurate. I was originally going to be Mark Twain, oh. but I don't look that much like him, and he wasn't here that long, and so doing my research, I was reading a biography of Emperor Norton, who I'd been vaguely aware of since college days, and it was like a bolt of lightning hit me and said, this is who you should be. Absolutely the right decision to make. Do you think he was mentally ill, or do you think his... Ex how do you pronounce that word? Eccentricity. Eccentricity. Yeah, I, I, uh, I wrote that question. We should write our own questions. <laughs> uh, I mean, that is the million-dollar question. Um, I, was he crazy or crazy like a fox? Mm -hmm. I think it was a little That's bit an of, easier way to pronounce it. I think it was a little bit of both. I think, I think he truly believed he was what he was, you know, the Popeye, I am what I am. And, uh, but I think he also knew he had a really good deal going. So why not write it as long as you can? But I do think, in his mind, he really did believe he was the emperor. Have you run into other Emperor Nortons over the years? Are, are, there, are there more of you? Oh, yes. Uh, for, for the 10th anniversary of the tour last July, we had a parade down the sidewalks of Market Street and then up Grand Avenue to Chinatown. And I dedicated it to the 18 people I've been able to identify <laughs> who have portrayed the emperor. And some of them are still around. Uh, one in particular is in an organization known as the Ancient and Honorable Order of E. Clampus Vitus. What say the brethren? Thank you. Uh, and so recorded. Uh, I don't know what just happened, but it was awesome. Uh, and uh, he is their Emperor Norton. It's an inherited position. He inherited it from the last person who had it. And I was told when I first became a clamper about 10 years ago that I should not come to clamper functions as Norton. And he sends me an email one day saying, come as Norton. I said, why not? And he said, I said, why? And he said, why not? So uh, it was on Norton Day, and we all gather at his grave in every January. Where's his grave? Uh, Woodlawn Cemetery in Colma. And the second most visited grave in Colma, uh, the first being Wyatt Earp. And uh, there in front of this assembled brethren of about 200 people, he pronounces me uh, the noble double, and, uh, as, and his successor, long may he live. So now we share duties, and he didn't have to do that. Uh, there was somebody who portrayed him at the dark room that I ran into once. We saw a play that he was in. There was an Emperor Norton portraying him that, uh, Emperor Norton double portraying him that night. I probably ran into about, well, when we unveiled the plaque in the Home of Peace Cemetery, uh, there were, I believe, five of us there that day who have portrayed him over the years. Do you track his popularity? I mean, since you started doing this, do more people know who Emperor Norton is? Yes, I've, I've definitely seen some things that show the number of Google searches have risen significantly in the last 10 or 11 years. Um, and certainly people in San Francisco know, and if they don't know, they ask. Newcomers to San Francisco, people in their 20s and 30s, do they know who Emperor Norton is? Some do, some don't. Uh, I've met five people over the years, young people, who have Emperor Norton tattoos. Wow. Oh, people walk up to me randomly and I say, here, look at my Emperor Norton tattoo. And yeah, I've, uh, I've seen five now. What happens when you run into Frank Chu on the street? 
Um, does anybody remember that Warner Brothers cartoon where the two, uh, the two watchdogs and they're punching the clock? You know, hi, Ralph. You know, that one. It, it's kind of like that. You know, hi, Emperor. Oh, hi, Frank. How you doing today? And we usually do a selfie together. It's always a special day when I run into him on the tour, and uh, especially for my guests, because uh, he will pontificate a little bit about the 12 galaxies, and that's always fun. So, yeah, we last ran into him probably... Uh, three weeks ago. Oh, it happens quite often. I'm glad he's okay. Oh, yes, he's fine. Yeah, good. We'll be right back after this short break. So how did the emperor die? Uh, he was walking on the evening of uh, January 8, 1880, from his residence at the Eureka Lodgings on Commercial Street between Montgomery and Kearney. Uh, walks up the half block to Kearney, turns left, goes two blocks to California, crosses over California, starts climbing Knob Hill to go to a meeting of the California Academy of Sciences that was held in uh, a church, Caddy Corner, to Old St. Mary's. About 8.10, 8.15, he reaches the crest of the hill on a cold and rainy night, uh, grabs his chest, and uh, has, suffers a stroke, dies a couple minutes later, uh, right across the street from Old St. Mary's. And hopefully next year there will be a plaque on that location. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what was his funeral like? It was huge. Uh, the, he was laid uh, in state at a funeral home at O'Farrell and Grant, approximately where the Lego exhibit is now. And, uh, well, it was better when it was the ice cream, because I could say they had him on ice, but that's a whole other thing. Um, estimates run between ten and 30,000 people came to pay their last wow. respects. Uh, and then there was a funeral procession to the Masonic Cemetery in the Richmond District. And estimates on that run 30,000 to as many as 200,000. Oh, wow. And one of the apocryphal stories, we don't know if it's probably true, but I think it might have occurred later in the day, is that as he was, his coffin was lowered into the ground, there was a total eclipse of the sun. Wow. Yeah. By the way, you know, you two may know this already if you've looked this up, but the Chronicle headline about his death was simply Le Roi a Mort. My mm -hmm. French is terrible. But it basically means the king is dead. Aww. I've had numerous French people correct me over the years. It's Le Roi a Mort. That'd be a good t-shirt with that, with yeah. that uh, front page. Second best Chronicle front page headline to the very first Giants game against the Dodgers we beat Don, Stry Don Drysdale eight nothing, and it said, uh, "We murder the bums." <laughs> that was a very good one. How is the Bay Bridge not named after Emperor Norton? That's a good question. Um, and we bear, by the way, we bear Willie Brown no ill will over this. He uh, he I didn't did. he didn't make it happen. <laughs> um, for those of you in the visual, I'm in the audio medium. I'm winking my eye very. Heavily. Um, I mean, it, it should have been, and it should have been years ago. Uh, unfortunately, there was that effort to have it named for Willie. But you know what? It's only, you're only supposed to name things after people who have passed away. So uh, there, there has been an effort over the years to have the bridge named, maybe the yeah, eastern John span. Lumi, I should mention, mm -hmm. he was invited here, and he's uh, out, of, out of state. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's a huge effort to have it renamed. And I think you could have Willie Brown have his little corner of the bridge and then 
have the whole bridge be yes the whole the both spans and the tunnel absolutely or or the other that, that's good that's good <laughs> off ramp yes off ramp. thank you Kevin. i have a wonderful picture of me giving willie side eye at some function <laughs> well we'd love to bring the countess up for a moment too Pardon me, I don't move as well as I used to. I'm 403 years old, so give me a break. Here we go, dear. Oh, these are, these are for young people to sit up this high. But what a lovely looking group you got here tonight. Not so bad, hello. How many of you are single? Raise your hand. I won't take the show away. I think you already have. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, myself, yes. Um, I arrived to San Francisco in May of 1853 at the Long Wharf. That is approximately where uh, the commercial street is now. It's all filled in. But I, w I arrived here, I was world famous already. Known the world throughout for the spider dance. Now, that spider dance was outlawed in Melbourne, Australia. Because you know what, my dear Heather? I forgot my panties that night, and I was twirling about, and the tips were really good. So they said, well, we're not gonna have that anymore. So by the time I got to San Francisco, the reputation was on fire. 5,000 men came out to greet me. Yes, and I was booked at the American Theater, which is now, uh, at the time, it was right around where Portsmouth Square is today. And, well, Mr. Hull and I, we had a tendency, we did like to drink quite a bit. I still like to drink. You like to drink, Heather. I have wine right here. Oh, well, but you. Well. Manny, I think the Countess needs a drink. Yeah. Well, no, I'm fine, dear. No, I might talk too much. Yes. And you might get yourself in more trouble than you can handle. Right? Yes. I'll own the place by the end of the night. You know, men are like Muni buses, children, I'll tell you. You miss one, you're gonna get another one. Some are old and broken down, and others are, you know, fast, and they move very efficiently. Right, Manny? Right. You ever take Muni? I do take Yes, Muni. some are cleaner than others, too. So, there you have it. Now, where was I? What was your question? I have no I'm idea. sorry, dear. I just kind of hijacked that. Well, I wondered if you could speak as yourselves for a minute um, about the tourism industry in San Francisco and if it's coming back and how important it is to the city. Well, we had really missed it. I will say that. And we have great people out there. I love people coming to San Francisco. Tourism is the number one industry. We do have a beautiful city and I love it here. I have been here as myself. I hitchhiked here back in the 1960s and we won't go into all that. But I fell in love with it, and I came back here permanently in 1977, Labor Day weekend, and I never left. And then I met this old man over here, uh, you know, online, you know, we'll talk about that. Which site? Uh, J-Date. J-Date. It does work, Manny. <laughs> So, we, you know, we did. We got married. And um, we were Where'd living in married? sin for a, a while, yeah. you know, before that. But uh, as I say, and it was, it was fun. It's been good. But we both have a lot of interest, and we love history, and that's part of it, is keeping the emperor's memory alive and also bringing other people to the forefront of the fascinating history of San Francisco. We have one of the best places in the world for history. 
I mean, if you watch our podcast, did you talk about that? No, it's a vlog. The vlog. Yes. See, I don't get the tone go down. We ended up with over, we ended up with 209 episodes. It's, it's called Emperor Norton's Fantastic History Vlog. And a new outfit for every show, let me tell you. <laughs> but also in answer to your question, we're starting to see more international tourists, people coming from all over the country. I found the best way to gauge whether or not tourism is back is to look at the line for the cable car at Pelham Market. And if it starts wrapping around the corner, you know that they're back and it's yeah. definitely getting longer. Yeah. Well, we're going to bring Peter back in a minute, okay. but first I wanted to ask you a question which we're all going to answer. If you could take a time machine to any place or time in San Francisco, what would you choose? Or event? Where would you go in your time machine? I think now. Whoa. Yes. I mean, I love history, and I love looking back, but, you know, for us as gay men, Woo! if we're still here, honey, it was, it, the AIDS epidemic was very, very hard, very hard, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's good to be here. Indeed. Good to be seen, and now we've gone through COVID, and, you know, economic problems, you know. San Francisco is not a cheap place to live, and the working class is disappearing, don't get me going. But, you know, it's, uh, it's very hard for those of us on a fixed income, you know, I'm an old retired person, Working since I was old enough to breathe, you know, but you know, it's good to be here. Good. Well, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. So usually this is our time to do the lightning round. Um, we ask questions of, uh, of luminaries who come on our podcast. What's our favorite burrito, um, favorite San Francisco movie. Instead, we're going to go and hop in the total SF time machine Quickly, each of us are going to pick two places that we would go in history if suddenly we had a time machine right now. And if there's a little bit extra time, maybe we'll ask the audience too. Um, and we're going to start with you, Emperor. Time machine pulls up right here. You can go anywhere. What's your first stop? And I'm going to put it up on the TV. First stop earlier. would be Woodward's Gardens. Ah. Which was located very close to here, and it was just an amazing place. And that is a photo, by the way, if you're looking up there, taken by uh, Edward Mybridge, mm -hmm. who Arnold mentioned earlier. So Woodward Gardens, why? What, what's your? Rationale? It was just such a tremendous attraction. There were the, there were the gardens themselves. There was a zoo, all sorts of taxidermied animals. Later, they ended up at the uh, Cliff House. What was the era? Because we 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 did an armory podcast. Uh, let's earlier see. And I think it was about... 1860s to 80s, just about. The same time as Emperor Norton's reign. I'm not real well versed in Woodward's Gardens, but I know it was the late 19th century. Arnold, you look like you know. I know it closed in 1891. I think it was open, I want to say, for like 15 years yeah. prior to that. First aquarium in San Francisco, I think in California. First library in San Francisco. Largest, certainly. And I think Monarch the Bear did a little tour. The, the bear on the flag of yes. California had a little tour at Woodward's Gardens, too. So that's a great pick. Mm -hmm. I think our next pick is from Heather. Yes, I would go to the very first trial run of the cable car system. Mm -hmm. If you guys follow me on Twitter or listen to the podcast, you know I'm obsessed with cable cars and the historic streetcars. So I just love them, and I'm so glad they're still around today. And it'd be fascinating to see the very first one, because people thought Andrew Halliday was crazy and um, that it would never work, but it did. And next year's the sesquicentennial. Yeah, we should do something special for that. I, I've, 
I dig around in the archive, Heather, as <laughs> I like to phrase. mention. And there were a lot of accidents on those early cable cars. So just letting you know, there was one that went straight down and hit. This is so San Francisco. It, it went straight down, like lost its grip, and smashed into an anchor steam. Oh. Uh, <laughs> like, like horse and carriage carrying anchor steam. Wow. So go back and check that out. Uh, Arnold, your pick number one, and you can look up. Yeah, so I have spent much of the last five, six months in the Cliff House at our little pop-up museum that we've had there. And by far, the most fascinating thing to me is the Sutro Cliff House. Uh, it's just so majestic, and everybody wishes that it was still there. You also had Sutro Bass right next door. So I'd love to be able to go there, dine at the Sutro Cliff House, go swim at the Sutro Bass, even if I have to wear one of those woolen swimsuits that they rented out. <laughs> There's, you know, it was a great time there. So that's like 1896 to 1907 that I was there. I'm picking 1900 because there's so many other places around there. You've got Carville going strong then. You've got one of the uh, shoots at the beach, not shoots at the beach, one of the prior shoots places is open at that time. This is the 1896 Cliff House up here before they figured out to stop making cliff houses out of wood. Exactly. So. <laughs> and there are so few pictures of the interior. That is such a pity. Indeed. I wish there were more. Well, my pick number one, and we handed out this photo, I would see the stones at Winterland. Um, I, I grew up in Burlingame and was like a really good kid. I didn't sneak out, and I deeply, deeply regret that. Um, I didn't go to, I, I wasn't old enough to go to Winterland, but I didn't go to, uh, uh, you know, uh, Gilman or Mabuhe Gardens or places like that that I could have gone to at age 14 if I had, like, you know, learned to drive my parents' car and drove it up here. I would go to the Stones at Winterland. I just, Winterland seems like such a great place. There's so much history there. Everyone I've talked to have said it was a fantastic place to watch a concert. It was kind of the perfect size, about 5,000 people, which is intimate, but still you get the big acts. And uh, yeah, I'd want to hang out with these kids here. One of them, I'm sure, has weed in that photo. Uh, Stones at Winterland is my pick. Exile on Main Street era Stones is when this photo was taken. And Emperor, pick number two. Uh, the Old Palace Hotel. Uh, from the photos I've seen, it must have been spectacular inside. Uh, I mean, the, not that the, there's anything wrong with the new Palace Hotel, but uh, it was just so gorgeous. It was the, the finest hotel in the world, probably, at the time. Uh, it was one of the first buildings in the United States with elevators, which they called lifting rooms in those days. That's where the British get the term lift from. Uh, the original Garden Court restaurant. Today's is no slouch, but... It was just so gorgeous, and well, no, that's not the one we were, we were uh, thrown out of. That was an earlier one, actually. <laughs> the emperor was thrown out of a palace hotel in 1867. The manager tried to have him arrested for vagrancy. Well, that didn't stick because he had money in his pocket, so they ran him in for involuntary treatment of a mental disorder, and then the newspapers got a hold of the story, like the Chronicle, and uh, the next day, Police Chief Patrick Crowley ordered him freed and for the police to salute him from that day on. All right. Wow. Which, by the way, they rarely do these days, but the fire department always does. <laughs> so subscribe to the Chronicle. That's, that was my takeaway. I, w I would note that uh, whenever presidents came to San Francisco back in the 1800s, that is where they stayed. 
especially Harding. And he didn't leave, right? <laughs> That's where he died. <laughs> Heather, your next pick is up there. I would go to the swearing-in of Supervisor Harvey Milk, um, one of the very first um, gay elected officials in the country. Umbrella there. It was a rainy day, but everybody was smiling. And we have chronicle photos of, of them walking up. There was a whole procession. He walked for blocks and blocks, and people gathered around. It was really a beautiful day. Great pick. Arnold, your second pick. Yes. So I was a little too young for this and living on the wrong coast at the time, but... I need to go back to the Summer of Love, 1967, see the human being in Golden Gate Park. Uh, just the music and the activism of the time just speaks so much to me. Uh, I chose a photo of, um, that's the Ashbury House where the Grateful Dead lived, and that is um, in the forefront, uh, Bob Weir getting arrested. You'll notice he's got he's handcuffed there. They totally got screwed. They, The police, uh, this is the George Christopher, the last Republican mayor, uh, called all the newspapers and said, come out, we're going to arrest the Grateful Dead for dope, and it was ridiculous. Um, but uh, anyway, good pick. Sorry, I, I detoured there. Only, only Your bad segues. Your detours going back to weed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my pick, 49ers Kizar Stadium. I'd love to go to a game, and I, I love the idea that in San Francisco, when it was game day, that people would walk from wherever they lived to Kizar Stadium. And you just, as you're walking through the sunset and you're walking through the Richmond and walking through even the mission, you just have people all walking toward this one place together. Tickets were cheap. Uh, it was a, not a well-built stadium, but you had all these little quirks that I'd love to see. You look in this photo, you see, I don't know if you can see it, but all the people who are on the roof. I mean, it was like Wrigley. People would climb up on the roofs there and watch a big game like that. And I'd love to go see my grandparents and my, my mom and my uncles. Um, my grandparents immigrated from Mexico to, uh, you know, settled in what was Eureka Valley. And their first, like, like luxury was 49er tickets. It made them feel like Americans, that, like they got the football tickets. And uh, we still have uh, uh, season tickets to this day, my, my mom and my aunt carry them. So I just love to go see a game there and say hi to my grandparents. That's my pick. Aww. I think we have like two minutes, Manny. Are we good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to start with you, Manny. Where would you go? Where are you going in your time machine? Oh my god. You, oh, you, you picked so many good places. Um, the only thing that came to mind, which is kind of like a little bit of a... I don't know why it came up, but I kind of would have wanted to be in the Compton's cafeteria during the Compton's cafeteria riot, which was the first actual LGBT resistance um, moment. And uh, New York always gets the, the credit for that. But I would have, when you were talking, I was like, I really wish I could have been there for that and been a part of it. In 1949, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was in the Tenderloin. You, you go on certain networks and they'll tell you about all the horrible things in the Tenderloin. The Tenderloin is a history of activism in the city. It's a history of compassion and immigrants coming in and discovering the city for the first time and doing wonderful things. So that's in our uh, podcast coming out tomorrow. We talk about that, yeah. Heather. Uh, anybody else want to walk up and tell me where you would go in your time machine? you got to walk up because I can't get it further than here. We also have wireless mics right here. Oh, excellent. Um, I'd like to go meet Donalina Cameron. Maybe when she um, exited on the earthquake. Donalina Cameron was um, 
worked with getting young women out of the sex trades in Chinatown. It was funded by Presbyterian women all over the U.S. And she was fearless. I mean, she would break into places, get them out, keep them, get them out of slavery. There's the Cameron House in Chinatown. I she's, know what I'm going to be looking up in the Chronicle Archive. Yeah. Um, you'll great. find her there. She's fascinating. Had a new book published. Her. Yeah, yeah she's great, great. Great pick. Thank yeah. you. We got one over here? Give us your name if you don't mind. Uh, Matt, kind of tailing on Manny a little bit, uh, when you started the segment, I was thinking it'd be interesting to go to the Tenderloin back before it was the way it is now, when it was the uh, you know Roaring Twenties or the Thirties before, like I read the Tenderloin history book and like there's a period where it was decided this should not happen anymore. Go back to the booming times and see what that's like. Interesting. Jeffrey Tomlin's in the house, head of Muni. Jeffrey Tomlin Where would you go loves in your it. San Francisco time machine? Jeffrey Tumlin is an extrovert who loves it when we put him on the spot. Who raised their hand? Hey, my name's Josh. I, th I think I would be like Yerba Buena 1600s. I feel like, you know, cult cultures that have been here kind of con continuously for like 10,000 years would be really cool to see before uh, they were dramatically changed and there was genocide in California. That's a good choice. We have a hot take from Jeffrey Tumlin. Jeffrey um, Tumlin. So first of all, I want to correct the record. I am an extreme introvert. I'm just not <laughs> shy. <laughs> and there is a difference. Um, secondly, I wouldn't want to go uh, 25 years into the future to oh, wow. see. Ooh. Will the central did, subway be done? Did. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I didn't say it. I didn't this say fall, it. That is happening this fall. I want to go a little bit further out there into the future, but thank you for that comment. Um, I want to go 25 years out to see, did we make it? Did we fuck it up, or did we actually get our acts together and uh, sustain this amazing, amazing place and not uh, squander its resources uh, for the convenience of the privileged? Good pick. I'm sorry, uh, Heather. <laughs> Heather did what she did. I told her not to. I told her before this thing, Jeffrey Tumlin may be here, don't mention the Central Subway. Anybody else? I, I have a, like a weird fascination with the graft trials. Um, so I'd love to be in like very like five to ten years post-earthquake San Francisco to really uh, see how the rebuilding went. I would go buy a house on the west side. Uh, <laughs> But I, I have a fascination with the graph trial, so I'd love to see how like the, the politics of the time worked. I mean, let's be honest. We'd all go back and buy property in the Sunset <laughs> District, right? I think we got time for one more. All right. Hi, I'm Jeff Harlow. And I would go to 1853 when Levi Strauss got here. Um, I did work for that company for 32 years, oh, wow. so I do have, but this is not a paid political announcement. <laughs> uh, but no, he, um, he bought a load of canvas off a ship that had come in for somebody else and they'd gone out of business and headed off to meet the miners and they were like, uh, he wanted to make tents and they're like, we don't need tents, we need pants. And that's how that whole thing started. And that, that'd be kind of fun to watch. That would be. Well, two more orders of business very quickly. Um, if we could get the microphone. I got to know about the Emperor Norton dog over there. Could, uh, sorry to put you on the spot, but is that dog named Norton? Is it a... What's going on? So... This is Charlie, the history poodle. Um, 
<laughs> he does. This is the fluffiest historian in San Francisco. Um, Nicole Meldal gave him that title. Um, no, he does history stories on Instagram. It was kind of a little pandemic activity for us. We'd go out on our bikes. I'd take pictures of him, and then I'd do, you know, look into give the backstory of everything. Where, where What's can his we? Instagram? He's at Charlie underscore history underscore poodle. Okay. And he just so he that's just the, loves that's local the 19th Emperor Norton right yes. there. <laughs> I knew we were not going to be disappointed. Thank you very much. I am I am going to follow you. Um, and last thing, uh, thank you to our guests. Thank you, Arnold Woods. Thank you, Joseph Amster. Um, really appreciate you guys. You guys are great historians and great San Franciscans, and you bring joy to this community. Thank you very much thank for you. coming. Thank, thank you for, for having, having us. us. And yeah. you can plug whatever you'd like to plug right now. Uh, I would note that the Western Neighborhoods Project Gala is coming up on May 15th at our last one in 2019. Peter was the featured speaker. (laughs) And uh, we'll be reopening the museum at the Cliff uh, probably around the end of May, beginning of June. So come out there and see all our Cliff House artifacts. And Joseph, where can we see more of you and the Countess? Well, I'm still touring uh, most Saturdays at 11 from Union Square. Uh, The Countess will be back on May 29th. Uh, probably doing some Sunday tours then too. So uh, sftimemachine.com or uh, sftimemachine at gmail.com. Well, last order of business. Thank you, Manny, for making this wonderful community space. Thank you to your wonderful staff who we had a great, anyway, thank you very much for creating this great space. And uh, and, and it's, it's wonderful and I hope everybody comes back. And thanks to all of you for coming out and celebrating Emperor Norton. Darling, it's 2 a.m. It's time for closing. The cops, they're all sideways. And I think Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Total SF is a production of the Chronicle. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Thank you.